How's everybody doing, man? I want to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's episode 24, I think. Uh, it's your boy, Jalen, where I get my unpopular opinion about sports. And again, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you, Whether you listen to this on SoundCloud or iTunes, whether you're watching this on YouTube, or whether you're watching or listening to it on YouTube and just doing something else, I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, or thank you guys for being here. So, you know, it's It's crazy. How how much how like how a week can change something how you can be in one situation on Monday and then the next coming Monday you can be a complete total different situation so and and, and that definitely holds true for two topics today uh, so when Houston got Carmelo Anthony I talked about this a little bit in my last podcast. When Houston t- got Carmelo Anthony, they expected. Now they knew they weren't going to get a, a defensive player. At, Carmelo Anthony's never been a defensive player ever, so they knew that they weren't going to get a solid defensive player. But what they thought they were going to get was at least a 15, 16, 17 points per game score. They thought they were going to get a, a veteran leader that can lead a bench. And not even the bench, even if they were going to even if they were going to start him because he was already apprehensive about starting. They thought they were going to get a player that instant offense because Carmelo Anthony has always been instant offense. Carmelo Anthony. I don't know if I said this last podcast because it kind of I got a, a lot of comments that was sent to me saying that they felt like I was trashing Carmelo or dragging Carmelo. Look, Carmelo Anthony is one of the greatest scores of this generation. You got people like Kevin Durant, you got people like Steph Curry, you got people like LeBron James to be completely honest with you. Carmelo Anthony is top to me top 3 to 5 scores of this generation. Cuz he can, you know, he he mastered the mid-range shot. And back in his heyday, you know, before the age and everything, he was at least a solid three-point shooter. So when I say Carmel Anthony has fallen off, I'm not I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. I'm saying that to say Carmelo Anthony is definitely not the same that he used to be. So on Monday, there was reports that came out saying that the Rockets and Carmel Anthony's time, well, not, not Monday, a week before Monday, A report came out saying that the Rockets and Carmelo Anthony were looking to part ways. I put on the podcast, you know, the legacy of Carmelo. He always, he it seems like, it's not seems like, he always took the money route before the championship route. I think the last two years, Sting is though his age and he's already made as much money as he's going to make. You know, trying to go to the Thunder, trying to make that work, and then now going to the Houston Rockets. Unfortunately, it didn't work, but that's what he tried to do. We sit here today, Carmelo Anthony and the Rockets have parted ways. While he's still on the team, he's not on the team, if you know what I mean. Like, they can trade him, and they're trying to find great trade suitors, or they're going to wait to waive him so that there's a team that's ready to pick him up. And I don't know if I said it last episode, but there's only a couple teams that I could see Carmelo working for. I can see him maybe working for Golden State if he's willing to come off the bench, which it doesn't really seem like he's an instant offense player. So 
with Golden State's bench, I don't know how that's going to work, especially with, you know, some of the stuff that has happened with Golden State, which we'll talk about in a minute. I can see him going to the Lakers with LeBron James, but again, I don't see how they need scores and they need shooters. And while Carmelo Anthony is known to be a scorer and known to be a shooter, he hasn't done that in the last few years due to the fact, like I said, his age, his legs are breaking down and and he's he's not the Carmelo of old. And, and I'm not saying that to say that he's trash. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not trashing his career. What I'm just saying is as of right now, he's not a productive basketball player. Or not as productive as we thought he would be. Or at least the Houston Rockets thought he would be. So, I can see him going to the Miami Heat. They're, they're a mess right now. However, we all do know that this is Dwayne Wade's last season, so this is, you know, quote-unquote a fem- uh, farewell tour for D-Wade. And I guess Melo can join that tour. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. I'm saying that to say I don't see Melo playing too many years. I don't see Melo playing a lot of years after this year. I don't see Melo, from what I've seen in, in how – how the NBA has changed, I really don't see how Mel is going to be able to play past this year, especially what happened in OKC and as and what happened in Houston. And, and I guess the only other team, maybe the Grizzlies, they need some scoring, but they don't really need the veteran presence since they have Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol, but they do need some scoring. The Phoenix Suns, uh, they they have, they don't they don't know what they they have going on. Or maybe the Bulls. They have Zach Levine, but they don't really have the veteran presence other than Robin Lopez. It's it's tough, man. It's tough to really pinpoint where Carmelo's going to be. Right now, while he's on a team, as in the Rockets, he's pretty much unemployed because he's not playing for the Rockets anymore. That's our reports have come out. His camps have said it. The Rockets have said it. He's not playing for them anymore. So they're just really looking for suitors. But what we've seen the last few years, I don't know who's going to take take a gamble on them. I really don't. So that's that's something that we have to feel out and see. And not not downing Carmelo, but it's crazy how you look at Kobe now, and, and of course these are champions and everything. But you look at Kobe, his farewell tour, how he was beloved. You look at D Wade, how at the end of his career, which is the last year, this year, how he's beloved. You look at T Mac, how he kept bouncing from team to team, but he was still beloved. You look at people like Vince Carter, who's still playing in his like twentieth year, and people people love. I mean, people love Vince Carter. But we talk about Melo, and it's nothing but, I'm not going to say nothing but hate, but you have a lot more haters than they, even a lot more naysayers about his career than anything else. And it's crazy. I, I kind of alluded to that last podcast. So if you want to go check that out, you can. And we'll, we'll just see what happens from Carmelo, because right now, again, I don't, I don't know, nor do I see who would be a solid suitor for Melo. So, speaking of suitors, a report came out this morning, actually, that the Washington Wizards are willing to trade anybody, including John Wall and Bradley Beal. Now, 
I feel it's like a, it's like a it's like it's uh, I don't know it's it's hard because I feel like the Wizards definitely need a change. I feel like I don't know if it's the coaching, and I'm not saying it's always the coaching because I, I did also say that in a, on a previous podcast about how the coach gives most of the blame. But this bunch, of, this this group of players seems like they need a tough, hard-nosed coach. And not saying Scott Brooks can't coach because, of course, he, he coached the Oklahoma City Thunder all the way to the finals. But he he's never been a confrontational coach. He's never been a get-in-your-face coach. He's never been a – excuse me. He's never been a hold-yourself-accountable coach. He's always been the – you know, I don't want to, I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't want to, you know, trouble the waters type coach. And while that is good for some teams and while that works for some players, I'm not too sure if that really is going to work for this team. I mean, think, look at the, look at the personalities you have. You have John Wall, who's always been a fire personality. You have Dwight Howard. You have Bradley Bill, Austin Rivers, Markeith Morris. Kelly Obrey, like you, you have we have players that need a strong leading leadership, and I don't know if Scott Brooks is the guy that can take them over the promised land. And when I say promised land, I'm not saying the championship. I'm just saying better than a five and eleven record right now. Also, with John Wall, I, he has one of the most untradeable contracts in the league, so I don't see him getting traded. However. John Wall can still be an asset, and John Wall is still one of the top ten point guards in the league. When you know when when he has his head straight, as well as Bradley Beal is a top ten shooting guard in the league when he has his stuff straight. It's just things have not clicked. Things have not clicked for Washington, and I don't know if that's players not caring. I don't know if that's players stat chasing, and because their defense has been atrocious, especially their help defense. You, one person gets blown by is like nobody else comes to help, or you know somebody gets broken down, and then there's a wide open layup. So I don't know what can be done, and I don't know. I don't think they're going to be able to ju- trade John Wall just due to the fact of his contract. And if they do are able to trade John Wall, they're definitely not going to get equal value because he's an all-star and everything. And I don't see a team trading all-star for all-star. But the person that I see, the you know the person that really to me needs to be gone, and I, don't, I, I know they can't trade him due to his contract, but Otto Porter. And I'm not saying this to say he's a terrible player because he's not. What I'm saying is, Washington expected Otto Porter to make that leap, to make that jump once they paid him the max. And they paid him the max because, of course, he hit the free agent market, and because they had the bird rights, they can pay him more than anybody. And, and we needed, and when I say we, Washington needed a small Ford at the time. And Bradley, I mean, no, Otto Porter was coming off of one of his best seasons as a, as an NBA player. He, he was shooting career highs in... And three-point percentage, in fact, I think he was top five finishing that year with three-point percentage and three-point three-pointers made. But since getting that contract, he he hasn't lived up or made that leap that we thought. 
that Washington thought. He hasn't made the leap. And because of that, that really put a boggle down in the small four position. You see, at times, they're starting Kelly Oubre. Or Kelly Oubre is getting more minutes than Otto Porter. That's who I think should try to, should, we should try to trade, or Washington should try to trade. Do I think that we'll be able to trade him? No, because like I said, nobody wants Otto Porter at $100 million a year. That's Or a $100 million contract. That's just, that's outrageous. But... We, I, I think to really start over with the franchise, I think we, we can keep Wall. I don't know if we can keep Bradley Bill because I feel like due to his, you know, he's an all-star, I think we can get at least 60-40 composition for him because we're not going to get, again, we're not going to get an all-star for an all-star. So we can see if we can, because we need a defensive player. We need somebody that can bolster the bench. We need a, a, a instant score, which we thought was Bradley Bill. And it is Bradley Bill to a certain extent. He's just been struggling this year. Washington needs help. Washington needs a lot. And I don't, one, I don't know, again, if they'll be able to trade John Wall. Due to his contract, I know they won't be able to trade Otto Porter because nobody wants him at a $100 million contract. But some changes need to be made, man. Some changes need to be made in Washington because if you look at the wins, yeah, there's, you know, we they, they beat Portland. But other than that, they lost to Portland the other night. And most of the wins are getting destroyed. They're going. They're getting down by 20, 25 points. Coming back, losing by 15, 10, or or it's it's, it's just a it's just a terrible, terrible situation. And the crazy thing is, this stretch was supposed to be the stretch where they get you know they they bounce back. As in this, I believe the last five games, not not including Portland, they played teams under 500 or did who didn't make the playoffs last year. And I think they only won one of those games or two of those games. It was a two or th- three games because it was a three-game win streak. So I'm not surprised that the team is, is, is willing to trade anybody. And when I say anybody, they're really only talking about auto – I mean, they're really only talking about Bradley Bill and John Wall because those are the only two people that – Garnish value for our team or for Washington. For people that don't know, I'm I'm from Washington D.C. So you know, uh, it. So we'll see how it goes, man. We'll see how it goes. I I don't. I see something happening towards the trade deadline. Something needs to happen towards the trade deadline. And Washington, Washington's. I said this uh, an episode or two ago. Washington is one of the most disappointing teams of the year. With LeBron James leaving the East, the East is wide open. They have two All-Stars. You get Dwight Howard, who's still productive. I mean, the other night he had 25 and 17. You have Kelly Oubre. You have Otto Porter. You have all these players. There's no reason why you can't fight for the f- third or fourth seed. Right now they're sitting at 10th at 5 and 11. Now, yes, I'm not saying that the season's over. And yes, they can change. They can turn it around, but it's gonna take. It's gonna take a lot of soul searching because I, I haven't seen even in their wins. They haven't been nice looking wins. They just been oh, they won. So 
And most of those wins, they were down most of the game. It had to come back. So they, it that's that's Washington, and we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll see how it goes. So let's 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 briefly talk about the Kevin Durant Draymond Green situation. For people that don't know, they were playing. I forgot who they were playing, and they were playing the Clippers, and the final play of the game, Lou Williams misses a shot. Draymond Green gets the ball. Kevin Durant then calls for the ball. There's about five seconds left at the time. Kevin Durant then calls for the ball. Draymond Green completely ignores him and just goes down, like runs down the court. Draymond Green then loses the ball. They go to overtime to ultimately lose the game. In the in the timeout or the the huddle before the overtime, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant were seen arguing with each other. You know. Curse words were being spewed out towards each other. They, they were arguing. They were, they were having a. They were. They were arguing. And report. Multiple reports have come out saying that Draymond Green not only called him a female dog a couple times, uh, many times. He challenged Kevin Durant with his contract situation. Of course, Kevin Durant is a free agent coming out of. I mean, at, at the end of the year, a lot of speculation is he's leaving the team. If not this year, next year. So, we many. I mean, everybody knows that he's not finishing his career with Golden State. Is really when are you leaving at that point? And he hasn't told the team. The team's pretty much in limbo. So, so I understand the frustration from Draymond Green not knowing if you're really dedicated to the team. But like I said, they had an argument. Draymond Green brought up his contract situation. And challenge Kevin Durant as in, you know, we bet we we don't need you. We don't need you at all. We we were winning without you. We'll, we'll continue to win without you. I, I hope you leave. Stuff like that. So then the team suspends Draymond Green for the next game. And... Now, you know, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green and the whole team have been answering questions about, you know, is this going to divide the locker room? Golden State's lost four out of five at this point. Kev, uh, Steph Curry's not healthy. Of course, DeMarcus Cousins still not healthy. Draymond Green's now banged up. There, there's a lot going on with this team, as in the Golden State Warriors, as of right now, of course. Does that mean they're not winning the championship? No. They still, at any given point, when everybody's healthy, can trot out five All-Stars. Do I think that this argument is going to propel Kevin Durant to leave next, like after this season? I don't think so. Because winning and Kenny Kenny Smith on ESPN on ESPN NBA TNT said something that was, that was that was understandable. Why would you leave a championship organ? Like why would you leave right after you win a championship? That don't make any sense. Why would you not run it back, especially when you're about to be in a new a new arena? Now, I understand, of course, he's already won two. He's about to three-peat because I don't see any team beating him when they're fully healthy. What is there? That, what, is, what else is there to win or what else is there to prove? I mean, 
you go into a season trying to win the championship, and there's a lot of teams that know once they lace up their boots real fast that they're not even close to being good enough to win a championship. There's some teams, it's like, uh, we might be one or two players away. There's some teams, like, ah, uh, we might be able to. And then there's Golden State, like, yeah, we're going to win. Multiple reports have come out saying that even people like Draymond Green and Klay Thompson have even come out and said that only us can beat us. And it's, it, that's, 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 that's what's real. The only people that can beat Golden State is Golden State. Do I think Kevin Durant's leaving? Yes. Do I think it's going to be after this year? I don't think so. Due to the fact that I think that they're going to win another one. I think that they're going to try to do something that's only been done by the Boston Celtics back in the day and winning four straight. And that's like the 1960 Boston Celtics winning four straight. Or or the I don't even think they might have won four straight. I don't know. Or they're trying to do something that hasn't been done in this decade and win four straight. And, of course, like I said, the new arena. And then after you win four straight, you're a four-time champion. You have more rings than LeBron James, which I think that's the underlining motivation for Kevin Durant. Not only will he have – no, what he, yeah, not only will he have four rings – Curry will have five. Draymond Green will have five. Klay Thompson will have five. You're going to have to pay Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson has already said he's trying to stay. You're going to have to decide if you're going to pay Draymond Green or not. And no, I do not agree with trading him because he's been the heart and the soul of the team. He's the defensive anchor. Yes, there's players that you can get the same or not same. You can get a little bit. You're not going to get equal value if you trade him, but you can get a couple pieces that are could, would be a little cheaper than Draymond Green and could do uh, similar things defensively and a little better offensively. But Draymond Green has been the heart of that team since they really started this championship run back in 2015, I believe. So... I think this is just, this is just a dust up. I mean, I've had again me playing college basketball. There's been days where my teammates have fought, fist fought. I've been in a couple arguments. I haven't fought nobody, but I've been in a couple arguments with with my teammates. I've we've been in a couple arguments with the coach. Like when you're when you're around players for as long as you're around them. Like once you're once the season starts or once even training camp starts, you're pretty much around your teammates or your coaching coaching staff twenty four seven. And this is just college. You let's see. You you have practice in the morning around five four thirty five o'clock in the morning. Then you go to a couple classes or no, you go to breakfast. Then you go to a class or two. Then you go to practice at twelve or if there's no practice. You go to individuals. From 12, you know, from individuals, which pretty much means you're not going to lunch, you go to another class or two, and then you come back around 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock for practice. You have another, you have that practice until about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Then you, if you have one of the late classes like I used to, you go to another class, come back, you have another individual. At this point, it's around 9.30. You have another individual, you know, shooting drill, stuff like that. And then you go back to back to the room around 10 30 11 o'clock do homework and then all happens again at 4 30 5 o'clock in the morning so that's just college 
And I didn't even mention the days where we're getting ready for teens. You have to go and watch film. I'm not talking about the mandatory ice days. We're not talking about when we had to go in the weight room. You're around your teammates or your, your coach every day, almost 24 hours a day. So... Of course, there's going to be times when you when you have arguments, and these this again that's college. We're not talking about NBA where all they do is hoop. Like, is it? It's funny how people are. I'm not going to say they're blowing out of proportion because there's some things that Draymond you you never call a male a man a female dog. That's just disrespectful. Ever, you never. A written rule is you never talk about another player's contract because they're all there to make money. And and we know that there's a lot of players that's making more than other players. So that's one thing that you do not do is talk about another player's contract. So that's where Draymond Green crossed the line. They said that he was so demonstrative they had to suspend him. I don't know if that was a... If that was more of a, you know, we're on your side, KD, please stay type situation. But again, teammates argue. Teammates argue all the time, and I don't think that this is going to – this is in – it's in November. I don't think this is going to affect a team trying to play well into June. So, uh, not to mention, like I said, Seth Curry is still not there. DeMarcus Cousins isn't there. It's still dynamics that aren't there that, that if they would be there, I don't think this would be this – would, this wouldn't happen. They won – they've lost, again, five out of four or four out of five because – Again, they're not healthy. Again, they lost the other night to Dallas because it was only Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson. And even in that game, Klay Thompson missed a game-winning shot. A point-blank game, and he just missed it. And it is what it is. So, yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's a dust-up. It's a dust-up. I think they're going to get over it. I don't know if their personal relationships are going to ever be the same. But that team has been together for a minute. And they're all on one accord trying to win a championship. I think at least on the court, that it's, it's, it'll be all right. It is what it is. And, yeah, I, I don't really – I'm not really worried about it. And I don't think they're worried about it. I think they're just trying to move forward and trying to win, find a way to win games. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Shouts out, uh, shouts out to Kimball Walker. Kimball Walker dropped 60 the other night. They lost, though. See, and, that, and that's the thing. That's the thing about the NBA. You can, you remember when, you remember when Devin Booker dropped 70, 70 points on Boston and still lost? Like, it's crazy, and, and teams that are trash, man. It's crazy how you can be, you can have a player that drops 71 or drops 50 or drops 60 and still lose. They played. They were playing against the Sixers, and Jimmy Butler was having a bad game. I mean, he, he even acknowledged, I mean, he let a man drop 60 on him. But Jimmy Butler hit a game-winning shot. Joel Embiid had, like, 33 and 12. Ben Simmons had, I think, like 24, 12, and 9. So, it's, you know, I just want to give shouts out to him. Shouts out to LeBron James. I believe Monday or Wednesday. Wednesday, he scored 44 points against Portland, officially passing Wilt Chamberlain in fifth all time in scoring. So,. Shouts out to him. And then last night, he 
put up 51. And it's LeBron James, man. LeBron James is, is in 16th year. And I think that, to, to, just a little, just to, just to piggyback a little bit, I think that's also why we look at Carmelo Anthony so differently. To go back to the first topic. He's in his 16th year. You look at other players that were drafted with, with him. Carmelo, uh, D. Wade, who was about to be, this is last year. Chris Bosh, who's not even in the league. Kyle Korver, who's, of course, he's going to have staying power because all he does is shoot threes. Luke Walton, he's a coach now. And LeBron James. I think everybody looks at the 2003 class and they look at LeBron James and they wonder if LeBron James is still doing this at year 16. Why can't you do this? And I think that's always been a detriment on his legacy, especially because he doesn't have a ring. They can say that to D-Wade, but D-Wade was, you know, D-Wade has three rings. So that's, you know, that that's where I think a lot of the problems come with Melo but yeah back to again shouts out to LeBron James LeBron James is great man he's still the best player in the world you can't not only is he the best player he's like one of the best leaders in sports of course with the his on-court leadership even his off-court leadership with the schools and everything LeBron James is one of the most influential people in the world and it's crazy that a kid from Akron would be would be this great, and it's crazy how nobody ever thought. Even even when when Kobe was doing his thing and Kobe was in his prime, I don't think there was ever discussion if Kobe is better than Michael Jordan. In fact, many people were saying Kobe was a cut and paste copy of Michael Jordan with the moves and the way you know his demeanor, the way he carried himself. There is real argument. I might get on, get into it maybe down the road in the podcast or something, but there's real argument if LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. Nobody ever thought that that could ever happen, and, and, and it had happened. It, it's here. So, shouts out to LeBron James, like I said, 44 passing wilt. Following up, they did lose the next game, but... Like I said, yesterday they dropped, he dropped 51, so shout out to him, especially in his 16th year. And is that it, is that it about NBA? Let me see. Talked about Kimba, talked about the Wizards, talked about Melo, talked about LeBron, talked about Golden State. And, yeah, I, think, I guess that's it on the NBA. Let's, let's move to the NFL. Let's first start with with Alex Smith. Um, for people that I mean, for people that didn't see, Alex Smith suffered a really gruesome leg injury yesterday, breaking his tibula and fibula in his left leg or right leg in his leg. What's crazy about it is a tweet came out by Joe Theismann saying that this was the same injury he suffered 33 years to the day yesterday. So, of course, Alex Smith is out for the season. 
now Washington has to rely on Colt McCoy. I think they said they're bringing in or they're trying out quarterbacks like Mark Sanchez or EJ Manuel. But they still won't give Colin Kaepernick a shot. But that's, 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 that's another subject for another day. So my prayers and condolences goes out to Alex Smith. I hope a speedy recovery. It, it looked bad. It was quick, but it looked really bad. I, ho I hope that's not career-altering like it was to Joe Theismann. Now, of course, medicine was different, and, and the way that they did things were different back in that day. But, again, he, it was a bad injury. He's definitely, he's definitely out for the season and out for probably a lot of next season as well. So, again, I, I pray for a speedy recovery. Washington, Cope, look, this really takes a hit on Washington in their chances on at least winning the NFC East. They're, Dallas is surging right now. Philly is, we'll talk about Philly in a second. And like I said, Washington is riddled with injury from, I, I believe, three offensive linemen that's injured for the season. Paul Richardson, who we got, who Washington got this offseason is injured, season ending. And now you have Alex Smith. It's like every year Washington gets hit with injury bug. Every year. I don't know if it was as bad as last year, which I think the whole defense, except for Ryan Kerrigan, was out. And even Ryan Kerrigan was out a game or two. So, again, it I don't know I don't know how Washington – well, Washington, of course, is leading the NFC East right now, maybe by a game and a half. However, like I said, they have to play Dallas on Thursday for Thanksgiving. Then you still have to play the Eagles twice. You have to play – the Jacksonville Jaguars, who still have a stout defense, even though they we'll talk about it in a second. And then they have to play Tennessee Titans. So again, I don't know how Washington will win the East, but right now they're up. They're they're up about a game and a half, I believe. So again, speedy recovery for Alex Smith, and I hope this isn't his. You know, I hope this his career isn't over. I hope so, because he's. I mean, while he's not. The most accurate down the field thrower or most mobile quarterback. He's still a he's still a above average quarterback. And like I said, even he was leading him in the in the Washington defense led them to a number one number one position in the NFC East. So now yes, I know the NFC East is weak this year. I mean the Giants is trash and we'll talk again, we'll talk about the Eagles in a second. And Dallas started off really bad, and of course Dak Prescott is a below-average quarterback. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. <sighs> so let's talk about the Eagles. Eagles got smacked yesterday, forty-one or forty-eight to seven. Now I understand that the Saints are the hottest team in the NFL right now. I understand that they're dealing with a lot of banged up defensive players. But you're a defending champion. And to lose 
And it's not just and it's not just losing forty eight to seven against Drew Brees and the Saints. They have looked terrible this entire year. Carson Wentz, of course, is coming back from season ending injury last year, but he's he pretty much has his legs under him at this point. They got Michael Bennett in a couple of key pieces on the defense, so we thought that their defense got a lot better. They got Golden Tate, who's who who I didn't even, I totally forgot they had Golden Tate yesterday until they showed a picture of him. I was like, oh snap, yeah, they got Golden Tate. Mm, sucks because it doesn't really matter. So I I don't I don't know I I don't I know that the Eagles ain't winning the Super Bowl this year. And I guess the Super Bowl hangover is real. Like, really real. Because think about it. The last team to go back-to-back Super Bowls was the Seattle Seahawks. They won one, lost the other one. And I believe the last team to win back-to-back Super Bowls was the Patriots. Back in, I believe, 2004, 2005. Or one of those those years. 2003, 2004, something like that. Because I believe one of those years the Steelers won. I believe the Steelers won in 2006. But we'll, we'll, yeah. the last team to win back-to-back was the Patriots. And the last team to go to back-to-back Super Bowls was the Seahawks, which they lost 1-1-1. One one one. So I guess the Super Bowl hangover is real, man. And it's not even really a hangover. It's players, you know, they have the Super Bowl ring or Super Bowl title in front of their name or Super Bowl champion in front of their name. So they expect to get more money and they garnish more money, which is understandable. You have players that leave the squad. You have players that come in and still trying to get you know acclimated to the offense. You think that you don't have to work as hard. I don't know if this is all the symptoms, but it looks like you know looks like this uh, the Eagles have taken a step back. And the only reason why they have a shot of making at least a wild card is the NFC East is so weak. And they still have Washington twice. I believe they still have New York once and and We'll see how it goes. But it just shows, I guess, how hard it is to repeat. And I was last night was the epitome of everything wrong with with the Eagles. Their offense was trash. Their defense got thrashed. It, it, it bars, by the way, <laughs> bars. So it it was man, the Eagles, bro, the Eagles. It was it was bad. And another another game that I kept my eye on yesterday was the Carolina Panthers game. And how they pretty much lost it cuz Cam Newton now okay, Cam Newton has been has been having a career year. I believe he's passing like 64%. But Cam Newton, they, they scored and in the two-point conversion, he pretty much airmailed uh, it. Like I was like, dude, who are you passing to? And the dude was wide open too. And he just it just went over his head. So their defense has been struggling in the past uh two, three two, three uh weeks. And I don't know if that's just they're banged up. I don't know if that's the teams they play because they haven't really played except for 
except for last week, they haven't really played anybody like that. So I don't. They just. They just. Carolina's been struggling defensively, and it's it's spilled over to the offense. Do I think that they're still Super Bowl contenders? When you have Cam Newton that defense, when they're at a like when they're firing all cylinders, of course. But they need to right the ship soon because it's towards the end of the season. They're in the wild card position at this point. Atlanta, oh god, Atlanta. Let me let me talk about Atlanta real quick. So, Matt Ryan has struggled this year, to say the least. No, not the Atlanta has struggled. Uh, Julio Jones believes only has two or three touchdown receptions this whole year. Devontae Freeman, of course, is out for the year, or is out. I don't know if it's for the year. Defense is trash. It and they lost to the Cowboys yesterday. And outside of beating Washington, they haven't really had a statement win this year. Atlanta is it's crazy how how they haven't been the same since the Super Bowl. And yes, last year they almost made it to the Super Bowl. I believe they were a Julio Jones catch away from beating the Eagles. But it's just crazy how far they've fallen. Because Atlanta is a, is a shell of themselves. Matt Ryan ain't no Matty Ice no more. The only ice is them ice bricks he be throwing and 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 missing. He be missing wide open people. Julio can't score, and that's not. I think that's just the way that they're scheming it up, and the way that defenses are scheming it up. And Matt Ryan has getting a is is getting intercepted a lot when throwing to him. So, mm. Atlanta, man. Oh, and another team, another game I want to talk about was the Sunday night game: Vikings against the Bears. That is why. This is why. I've always had my criticisms about Kirk Cousins. When the big when when the lights are brightest and and the whole world is watching, you see what he produces. My man got and, and it's a little bit of him. It's a little bit of a lot of the the Bears defense, but you saw he was getting embarrassed. Kirk Cousins they lost to the Bears, I believe, 20 Five to or twenty-seven to twenty or something, but most of most of Vikings points were garbage minutes points, and it, so yeah, twenty-five to twenty. So going into the season, many people thought that. Minnesota had with getting Kirk Cousins had enough to win the Super Bowl. That's definitely not the case. Not the case at all. From what we've seen, I'd be surprised if they if they make it to the second round of the playoffs or if they get out the wild card. Especially how tough the East is. Not the East. Especially how tough the, the, the NFC is. 
It's it's just, it's crazy, man. And of course, the, the, they've been hit by a lot of injury as well. But when you pay Kirk Cousins the first fully guaranteed contract, you expect him to take you to the promised land. And clearly, that hasn't been that hasn't been happening. And 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 then just watch, just watch tonight compared to last night. Of course, tonight you have the L.A. Rams against. The Kansas City Chiefs, two of the hottest, or you know, two of the top three hottest teams in the league. You have two MVP candidates in Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs and Todd Gurley for the Rams. Jared Goff is looking good. Aaron Donald's looking great. Of course, Pat Mahomes. You have all those weapons on offense with Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And Sammy Watkins. So you have two high-powered offenses going against each other and two MVP candidates going against each other. Just watch the contrast of how this game goes compared to last night when outside of outside of the Bears' defense, the Bears have been really inconsistent. Mr. Trubisky has been inconsistent. The offense for the Bears have been inconsistent. And yet, Minnesota couldn't, couldn't take take advantage so just 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 watch just watch how that goes and watch tonight when two high-powered structured teams go up against each other Sean McVay against um, Andy Reid just just watch how it goes watch how that goes and watch the difference in teams watch the difference in style watch the difference when you know your quarterback of the future compared to Kirk Cousins. And I'm not saying I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is a bad is a bad player at all. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm just saying is to me he's he's never been a franchise quarterback and that's why I feel Washington franchise tagged him what 3 years in a row. Because they wanted to see more. They wanted to know, okay, are we going to is this our franchise quarterback and clearly they didn't believe so and we see the ramifications of that. So Again, just just watch tonight. Tonight's going to be a, a great game, a really good game, and 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 we'll see. So, I want I want one thing I want to do before we get to the on topic on popular topic of the day is I want to give my NFL midseason or a little bit past midseason awards. Um, of course, with with the, with the playoffs coming up, you kind of see. What's what's going on, and you kind of see who's who and who's what, and yeah, you you kind of know what you're getting out of teams and what you're getting out of players. So I want to get my midseason awards or a little past midseason awards. MVP was a tough one, actually. Again, I, you have two MVP candidates in Patrick Mahomes and Todd Gurley, and then there's no way that you can overlook what Drew Brees is doing. But I had to give it to Patrick Mahomes, man. Patrick Mahomes, coming off of a season where he played backup to Alex Smith, they traded Alex Smith because they felt he was the he was Patrick Mahomes was the was the guy and then coming out with the hot start and he's still hot. I'm not saying he cooled off, but coming out with the hot start, breaking all those early season records, is I can't I, even though I want to give it to Drew Brees so bad for for how he's playing, you to me you got to give it to Patrick Mahomes. So as of right now, the MVP is Patrick Mahomes. Defensive player of the year, you have I, look 
it was a little tough at first until I really looked at the numbers. It was it, to me it was either between Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, or J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt I believe is either first or second in sacks. Khalil Mack is 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 a mon- I mean you see what he's doing with the Bears defense, how he's propelling them to a top five defense. But I have to give it to Aaron Donald. The stat that always shocks me, and that's shocked me since the beginning of the season, is when he's playing, teams double-team him 70% of the time. That means out of 10 plays, 7 of them you have to double-team him. Double or triple-team Aaron Donald. And he still is is amongst the lead leaders in sacks. Aaron Donald's that, that's why he's he set out. I mean, he he knows how good he is. So, Aaron Donald is my defensive player of the year, my offensive rookie of the year. You see, I was going to give it to Calvin Ridley at first, but it, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's because of the struggles they've had, but he's kind of fell off the past few. He's kind of fell off the past few, few, um, few, few, few weeks, and I, 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 it's hard for me to give it to him now. So, my offensive rookie of the year at this point. Oh, and, and let me say this. Let me say this. I'm not saying this because they're in the East, but I expect Saquon Barkley is a great player. He's a great player. I mean, I hate. I, I, I don't hate. I don't like the Giants because I'm a Redskins fan. But Saquon Barkley is a great player. But I have to give the Offensive Player of the Year or Offensive Rookie of the Year to ba- to. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has already led. He, he's already led the Bears, not Bears, the Browns to more wins than they've had, I believe, the last two seasons. And he's looking like a franchise quarterback. I was. I will be the first to say I did not think he should be an over. I didn't think he was overall over overall. First, first overall pick material, and I still have my questions about him, but he does look like a franchise quarterback. So I have to give the offense, my offensive rookie of the year, to Baker Mayfield at least right now, because Baker Mayfield is definitely deserving of it, and he's he's looked great. He's really looked good. Baker Mayfield, he's he's. He's getting out the pocket. He's making sharp passes. He, he he's looking great, and I can't I can't take anything away from what he's doing. My defensive player, the my defensive rookie of the year. Either at first it was Darren Derwin James for the Chargers, but then I I can't overlook what Darius Leonard's doing for the Colts, and how he is propel the Colts defense who still struggles a lot but he is arguably one of the best defensive players in the league now 
and he's just a rookie. So Darius Leonard, they they definitely hit a home run with that with Darius Miller and coming out of South Carolina State, I didn't think that he was. <laughs> I didn't think a player from South Carolina State could be a defensive player, uh, offensive, a defensive rookie of the year. And right now, he's he's he's. He's number one. Of course, Dor- Duran James has been great. Denzel Ward has been great. But I have to give it to Darius Leonard. I-, I just have to. I'm sorry. Hell, even Bradley Chubb has been great. But, yeah, no. It, it has to be Darius Leonard. And Coach of the Year, I would say... Is... And this is the thing. I think that, yes, winning is important. Of course, winning is the only thing that's important. But when we're talking about coach of the year, you also have to think about teams that are overachieving or teams that are 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 exceeding expectations, which is why I don't think he is the coach of the year, but that's why I have to give credit to people like Pete Carroll because I thought this, the, the Seahawks were going to be terrible this year. Most of their defense is either old, injured, or have been traded. Russell Wilson still has one of the worst offensive lines, and I didn't think they had a running game. As we sit here today, the Seahawks are number one in rushing yards and their rushing attempts. Russell Wilson is brilliant, just coming off a win against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and Pete Carroll has to be in discussion for head coach of the year but to me the head coach of the year has to go to Andy Reid and what he's what he's doing for Patrick Mahomes and also what he's doing for the Kansas City Chiefs Sean McVay's in there too Sean Payton's in there but I have to give it to Andy Reid because Andy Reid has propelled Kansas City to one of the best teams in all of in, in, in the whole NFL, the entire NFL. So, like I said, you, you can't take it away from him. You can you, it's, it's it, he's great. So, Andy. My, so again, let me let me recap. My MVP giving it to Patrick Mahomes, Coach of the Year. As of right now, of course, I'm giving it to Andy Reid. Defensive Player of the Year, I'm giving it to Aaron Donald. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I'm giving it to Baker Mayfield. And Defensive Player, Defensive Rookie of the Year, I'm giving it to uh, Darius Leonard. So, with that being said, uh, again, you listen to the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen, where I get my unpopular opinion about sports. With that being said, let's go to the Unpopular Topic of the Week. Oh, hold up, hold up. Uh huh. One thing, one more thing. Uh, one thing I do have to do is shout out for the MLB. The awards came out. Uh, Mookie Betts won AL MVP. The Christian Yelch, whatever, won the NF, N, uh, NL MVP. Cy Young 
Blake Snell won the AL League MVP or Cy Young Award. Jacob DeGrom won the won the NL Cy Young. And I just gotta do shouts out to them. So I can't I can't leave baseball out, especially when they just gave their awards. And uh, so shouts out to them. All right, now let's get to the unpopular topic of the week. Welcome to the Unpopular Opinions. Unpopular Opinions. Have unpopular opinions. Unpopular opinions. Okay, so what's an unpopular opinion? Unpopular opinions. To utter such blasphemy. He's got the nerve, the audacity, the unmitigated goal to echo such blasphemous nonsense. Just blasphemy. There have been a couple of game changers when it comes to the NBA. Of course, you have LeBron James, you have Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan, of course. I don't believe Kobe was a game changer. Kobe was just a great, great player. You have players that shaped the NBA when they were in the NBA. Of course, Michael Jordan, nobody's ever seen somebody like Michael Jordan. He's arguably the GOAT. Magic Johnson, nobody's ever seen a 6'7", 6'8", point guard that have handles and have the court vision like he does when Shaq was in the league nobody no center was ever as dominant as Shaq of course Kareem with the sky hook players shape there there are certain times when players shape the NBA and there are two players that to me have will go down in history as two players that have shaped the NBA when they were here, as in when they were playing. And that is Allen Iverson and Stephen Curry. Allen Iverson, I don't know if I said this, but Allen Iverson was my favorite player growing up. Allen Iverson was the reason why I wanted to play basketball, was the reason why I loved basketball so much. I had Allen Iverson jerseys. I had an Allen Iverson birthday cake uh, one or two years. I had Allen Iverson posters on my wall. Allen Iverson was my favorite player and was the reason why I fell in love with basketball. Allen Iverson revolutionized the game for the six feet and under point guard, for the point guard that had handles, point guard that could finish above and below the rim. He changed the dress code. He the way that he just carried himself was we we never seen it before. We never seen a player so defiant yet so great. So when we look at Allen Iverson, we see we saw something something that was unique that people I'm not going to say was scared of, but was apprehensive of, but yet adored and loved. Allen Iverson won the MVP. Allen Iverson led the Sixers to a championship. That's a lie. Led the Sixers to the NBA Finals, where they even beat the Lakers in Game 1. The, the vaunted Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. And then you have Steph Curry, who has revolutionized the way we look at a three-point shot. Before Steph Curry, you didn't have all these centers 
taking threes. You didn't have all these power forwards taking threes. I mean, the best three-point power forward that they had before Steph was like Dirk and then maybe Dirk. Steph Curry has almost made, not almost, Steph Curry has pretty much made the mid-range shot obsolete. And the way that teams look at the mid-range shot. Steph Curry is the reason why the Houston Rockets are the Houston Rockets right now. Is the way that they, they, they're having an analytics and saying pretty much we're either doing layups or threes. Because of Steph Curry. So... I bring those two up because a lot of I had a, I had an argument well I had a debate the other day with somebody just saying who was more important to the NBA or who who was more who changed the NBA more Steph Curry or Allen Iverson and my argument was this when it's all said and done who are we gonna one who was better and to me. While Iverson was so great, and again, Iverson is my favorite player of all time. But when it's all said and done, I believe as a better player, Steph Curry was a better player. And then when we look at the way that the NBA shifted when both of them were in the league, it's hard to say that Steph Curry, I mean, Allen Iverson was more influential than Steph Curry. Again, we it's not like we've never seen a short point guard in the league dominate like Allen Iverson did cuz we had Isaiah Thomas. Not not nothing now Isaiah, I mean Detroit Pistons Isaiah Thomas. It's not like we've never seen a point guard have crazy handles because we had Tim Hardaway it's not like we've seen an NBA player that was short be able to finish below the rim like Allen Iverson could because we had Rod Strickland. We've never had a Stephen Curry in the league. People that can, a, a player that can take two steps, two steps past half court and shoot the ball and nobody get mad at me because we know, yeah, that's Steph. You, you probably make that. Every year, Steph Curry breaks a three-point record. This year, it was, I believe, no, every year, I believe this year it was most consecutive games with, I believe, seven games with shooting five or making five or more three-pointers. Again, Stephen Curry has almost made a whole position in the center position obsolete. Teams aren't looking for the, the Andre Drummonds or the Dwight Howards anymore. They're looking for players, for three uh, centers that can shoot threes or at least can shoot a little bit. That's why you're seeing Andre Drummond taking more threes. That's why you're seeing players like Yoka Nok- uh, Jokic I'm sorry, hitting threes. Or that's why you're seeing Dwight Howard working on the shot. Because they know that if you can't shoot now, you're not you're not you're not making this league. Or you're not good. Teams are not good if you don't have at least a shooting center. That's because of Steph Curry. 
And it's not just what he did in the NBA. He, he started this in college at Davidson. So when I say that Stephen Curry is more, I'm not going to say. So when Stephen Curry is has revolutionized the game a little more than Allen Iverson, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is out Dwight Howard. Before Stephen Curry, Dwight Howard was known as one of the most dominant centers in the league. And, and yes, it's a little bit due to injury, but if you look at the NBA today, who was taking Dwight Howard? Even at his healthiest, what what team? And let's let's look at some of the centers, right? At his prime, and I'm not saying that he's better than Dwight. I'm not saying that, but at his prime today. Would you take Dwight Howard or Joel Embiid? A Joel Embiid that can shoot threes and that can dribble and pass. Would you take Dwight Howard or Carl Anthony Towns who can shoot threes? Would you take a Dwight Howard or DeMarcus Cousins who can shoot threes? What I'm saying is Steph Curry has changed the way we look at the NBA, period. And changed the way that we look at the NBA, changed the way that teams scout for players in the NBA. We look at because of Steph Curry, he's changed the way defensive or defenses look at the NBA and approach games. That's because of Steph Curry. Allen Iverson did that to a certain extent, but not to the extent that Steph Curry has. St Steph Curry, and I'm not saying this because, and I'm not, and I'm not trashing Allen Iverson again. Allen Iverson is a top fifty player ever. Period. But we had players that, while they don't have the full Allen Iverson makeup, they have things that Allen Iverson had as well. I've never seen somebody, or the NBA has never seen somebody like Steph Curry. We've seen players that can shoot. Of course, we've had Ray Allens and Reggie Millers and Larry Birds and Dirk Nowinski's, but we've never had a Stephen Curry. Ever. And it, and, it, and it shows night after night. Hell, it even shows when he's not there. Look at Golden State, even with Kevin Durant, even with Klay Thompson, even with Draymond Green. Look at, look at them when he's on the floor and look at them when he's not. I believe this year they're ten and two with him playing, and without him playing, they're like two and four. And 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 it's not even just this year; it's every time he's out. Golden State looks drastically different, even with a top five score ever in Kevin Durant. A top five shooter ever in Klay Thompson. A defensive player of the year in Draymond Green. And a great head coach in Steve Kerr. They look drastically different with Steph Curry on the floor than with him out with without him. And that right there just shows just how different Steph Curry is that we've ever seen. We have great we have a lot of great players in this league. You know, Kyrie, LeBron, Kevin Durant, AD, Giannis, James Harden, but we don't have another Steph Curry. And I'm not saying that to say he's the best player 
in the NBA. What I'm saying is he is the only Steph Curry that we've ever seen. And I don't know if we've, we will ever see another Steph Curry or ever see a player change the game the way Steph Curry has. I don't see it. And there you have it. I want to thank you guys for listening to the Unpopular Podcast. This is this episode. This episode went a little long. I ain't going to hold you. So if you're still here, hey, bro, I appreciate it. (laughs) I really do. Uh, Again, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for posting. Thank you for liking. Thank you for commenting. Just thank you for your support. Again, this is the Unpopular Podcast uh, where I get my unpopular opinion about sports. And until next week, much love.